From Centered, welcome to the Take Root Podcast, where our purpose is to share testimonies that encourage you to deepen your roots of faith. Join host Karen Johnson to hear stories of those who have experienced God directing their own lives to a deeper, engaged faith. So welcome, friends. Today, I get to introduce you to my friend, Steve Mitchell, who is the medical director of the emergency room at Harborview Hospital in Seattle and a professor, uh, associate professor at the University of Washington Medical School. Hi, Steve. How are you? Hi, Karen. Great to be with you. Great to be with you. Why don't we begin by you telling us a little bit about you? Sure. So uh, professionally, uh, as, as you mentioned, I'm an, an emergency medicine physician by training and fortunate to work at uh, Harborview Medical Center in Seattle, which is kind of is known for two things. It's most famously known for being the level one trauma center and burn center for a really large geographic region covering all the state of Washington and Alaska and Idaho and Wyoming. And, and, and we get patients from Montana as well. So a really large geographic area we receive patients from. And, and then the second primary thing that people don't often recognize is that the Harborview's mission is as a safety net hospital. And so sort of part of our DNA is to care for the sick and the marginalized and the people who find it challenging to receive care in other places. And so that's a great part of, of, of what we do. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and you're a husband and father. Tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah, absolutely. So yes, I've uh, married to Cara. She's, uh, I met her first week of medical school. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it kind of worked out well. And she's an internal medicine doctor also for the university currently working at the Northwest campus. And we have three wonderful children, 14, 10, and 12. They're, the, the lower two are not quite there yet. They're about ready to have birthdays, but uh, two boys and a girl. And so lots of stuff going on in our family, lots even with everything going on in the world. Man with a full life. <laughs> yeah. well, how is it that God guided you to become a doctor? It was an interesting journey. I, I started off all, all, always having loved medicine, but my first love was was emergency medicine as a paramedic. Yeah. And I worked in a fire in a fire department as a paramedic for about fifteen years, from the time I was eighteen until I was thirty three. And so while I was in the fire department, I was taking classes and really had never really planned on on going to medical school at all. Mm. In fact, my grades would probably reflect that uh, early <laughs> on, and I, I did not have the undergraduate career to go into, to go into medicine, certainly. But in my late 20s, I always was really captured by the, you know, the Socrates quote of the unexamined life is not worth living, mm. and really started asking questions of, of, you know, what am I to be about? Am I professionally to do what I am doing now, which I loved, absolutely loved, or, or something else? And so I looked at, at in, in that time of, our, of my life, I looked at business because I thought it would be great fun at, at a certain point to do so, something entrepreneurially, if I can say that correctly. <laughs> um, and so I looked at some things and I took seminary classes um, and thought about going into ministry and kind of each one of those different spheres, they were interesting and exciting. And yet the balloons that I was kind of carrying or the torches I was carrying eventually popped or went out. And then a few key things happened where I probably most considered just doing ministry, but also had this incredible love for medicine. Hmm. 
and also just found it incredibly meaningful caring for people who were sick and people who were dying. I got to a place with a few key conversations with, with, with people, very unexpected conversations that they would definitely never, never remember. And I realized, you know, I can take a pastor's heart and combine it with medicine and with my medical experience a lot easier than I can kind of walk away from medicine and pursue something like uh, the ministry. And so I decided to kind of take that with me and pursue medicine as a, as a full-time thing. So where I would be spending most of my time professionally caring for people who are sick rather than doing it much less often as I had the opportunity to in the fire department. And so I started taking classes and did fine. And God really brought me to a completely surprising point of getting into medical school on my first try at the age of 33. Wow. Wow. That's an incredible story. And, and was there, it, was that a defining moment in your life that has shaped it? Or was there something else that was defining for you that shaped your life? Sure. There's, I, mean, there's, I think there's a series of many different things around, around that same era of my life. I was um, the Augustine quote of the, your, your, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in me and, and trying to understand, you know, what am I to be about? What am I supposed to do? Where do I, where where are those thin spaces in my life where I encounter God consistently, encounter Jesus consistently? And I realized that more and more those happen consistently in the setting of caring for people who are sick. Wow. And around that same time, another Frederick Buechner, who was a favorite author at the same time, he has a famous line in one of his books. It talks about the place God calls us is the place where our deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Yeah. Something. If you were to ask my each of my three kids today, they would, <laughs> as soon as I start to say that, they go, "Oh yeah, Dad, we know, we know." <laughs> Cause, That's one of my favorite quotes too. I love it. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, so those were really sort of defining things, but probably the most defining thing was, which occurred right around the same, right around the same time too, was kind of the it came to a understanding and a, a deep appreciation that regardless of what you are doing in your life, that you have an opportunity to fuse all of your life with meeting by having a posture of worship in your life. Mm. There was a poem, I guess, by a guy named William Temple, who just made, uh, and it's, it's probably been the most significant impact on me outside of scripture than, than anything. And he, in it, he talks about, and I, I first heard this from a guy named Robbie Zacharias, but in coming to understand worship, he says, worship is the quickening, quickening of conscience by his holiness, the nourishment of mind by his truth, the purifying of imagination by his beauty, the opening of the heart to his love and su surrender of will to his purpose. All of this gathered up in adoration is the greatest of human experience of which we are capable. So it's wow. with conscience by his holiness, nourishment of mind by his truth, the purifying of imagination by his beauty, the opening of the heart to his love and surrender of will to his purpose. And, 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 and all that is to say is regardless of what you are doing, whether it's Sunday morning, but certainly not just Sunday morning, mm -hmm. but it's whether you're studying, whether you're, you're doing your taxes, whether you're leading your family or, or dating somebody, it's, if it all comes under the, 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 your, your, your desire, sense of worship, then every single part of your life has, is fused with meeting and your reflection back is gratitude. And that's a, 
that just made a massive impact on who I was and, and how I wanted to live my life. That is beautiful. And I love that you have connected your pastor's heart with your love for medicine and that that's exactly what you're doing in your work. You, you're yeah. head of the emergency room at Harborview Hospital, as we said. And how many staff do you have there? Oh, my. Uh, we have 50 or 60 different fa- faculty or ER doctors who, uh-huh. who work there. Uh-huh. And then we have several hundred nurses who work there and uh, medical hundreds. assistants. And, yeah, hundreds. Yeah, hundreds of uh, that you are managing. And I, yeah. I, I asked you one time about the most impactful story of working at there because I was just so I, I knew that you must be you know saving so many lives and there'd be so many stories and I was so touched by the story you shared with me would you mind sharing that with the listeners sure it really relates back to what I was just saying where yeah it's an opportunity I think the the way of Jesus the way of the cross is is not the big grandiose things it's very simple things it's very mm-hmm. simple and meaningful things that can be uh, acts of worship. And so I, I take that very, very seriously. And I think the story you're recalling is, or, or just the reality that one of my favorite things to do there, and it's certainly not every day by any stretch of the imagination, but when given the opportunity, given the population that we take care of, which is the homeless and drug addicted and really, you know, marginalized and incredible amounts of mental illness, we, we have some people who walk in with crazy feet, you know, feet that uh, shoes that haven't been off for a few months or toenails that haven't been cut for a long period of time. And so one of my great privileges is to, is to take care of somebody's feet, trimming their toenails, cleaning them up and do that sort of thing. And, and it's always, it's just a reminder of just things that are, small and insignificant can be great acts of worship. And I just know that in my situation, that's a thin, a thin, one of those thin places where I encounter Jesus in the midst of, in the midst of that, because that's exactly the model that he put forward um, in washing his disciples feet. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And I have pictured you so many times in these last days. Well, I should say this interview is being recorded on June 2nd of night of 2020. And we're in the middle of this coronavirus crisis. And now, most recently in the last week, the rioting going on in Seattle and elsewhere. And I have pictured you in these last weeks. You know, I I know you walk down the hallways sometimes with your arms spread open like the cross to pray over families and patients that you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And I'm just wondering, can you share in these weeks how your faith has been affected in these times? Yeah, it's... uh... So in the beginning, back in late February, early March, when Seattle became the really the first epicenter of, of North America with coronavirus, it was a period of that there was a mountain of work to do and things to create with absolutely no information to go by because the virus was still completely brand new. Yeah. So many things were unknown. And, and I just remember asking people to pray for me and praying constantly, Jesus, let me, two things, let me hear your voice in real time. Mm-hmm. Let me know and understand you and hear you clearly. Let me hear, hear your voice tangibly. And two, for the absence of fear and the absence of fear in both myself as well as our staff, because I knew that some of our people were going to be sick. Yeah. Uh, we're going to get sick. And some of the you know people that I'm responsible for and 
trying to make changes and care for sick people and deal with people's fear that you are also helping to lead was remarkably challenging. And and because we we absolutely saw that where where people who I would have never anticipated being really bound up by fear of coronavirus, a fear of getting sick, fear of dying mm-hmm. was really disabling for a lot of people and trying to negotiate that, care for them, love them in the midst of that, bring, but bring them through that. And especially, what was especially challenging is when our university, we have, we have unbelievably smart and capable people leading our effort in this area, especially around how to stay safe. Yet when our own staff members would, would be, feel really strongly about needing to do something else, a certain type of mask, a certain type of clothing, a certain type of other protection, trying to manage all those things was remarkably challenging. As, wow. And uh, also in the beginning, I was sort of in the middle of the first outbreak, which was the, the nursing home situation in Kirkland, Washington. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those times where, where in the midst of, of remarkably fluid, challenging times, like Jesus, hear, let me hear your voice. And, and, and feel very confident that there was like that direct leading in the midst of that, which was, which was incredibly encouraging. And I've continued to lean on in the midst of that. But so it's been a remarkable time. Things have slowed down now, but now of course we transition to, in especially in our role as the trauma center, you know, the, 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 our concerns in the city is for the people who are getting injured and in the midst of all the activity going on, which is, which is remarkably tragic and, and, and challenging uh, for different ways. So that's been, that's been the past, the past week. And fortunately I can say for our for our city is that there hasn't been, there's been a great deal of violence towards the establishment towards buildings and such, but people have not been hurt in violence in violent acts as much as we had feared. Um, there have been situations, but not the, the widespread violence that we were concerned about. But even as we move along with coronavirus, though, we're still, we're now seeing a lot of people become uh, starting to act out and have challenges. And so our, our, the number of people who have been injured from shootings and stabbings and different, different car, car incidents and such has definitely gone up in the past two or three weeks or so. Yeah. As uh, as our as our region and our city moves along in this era, yeah, yeah. Well, tell me what what did you what you said that you did hear from Jesus in mm-hmm. these moments? What what is that like for you? What what? How did he guide you? I can remember uh, the one thing that was uh, most significant was being absolutely exhausted, ta- communicating with a bunch of very senior leaders in the region, in the state, in the county, in the, in the state, and actual federal leaders, and trying to control the situation or get the situation in Kirkland under control. And it was just like, Jesus, what needs to happen right now? And, and the overwhelming, you know, thought that just kept on coming from, through my mind was get them out, get them out. And so we led a an evacuation of a large number of patients out of that facility. And it was that as well as some support that was coming in that we did not know when was going to be able to come in was, was the key, the sort of the, the key thing that led to that 
whole situation being more stable and allowed there to be people there who could adequately take care of the, the patients that they had in that facility because at, at times it was just remarkably, remarkably unsafe. And you've so, heard that over and over. That was his voice. Wow, right. yeah. that's amazing. So as I'm listening to you, I think I'm hearing that your faith deepens by you asking God to speak to you currently, like every day, like every moment, Lord, what do you mm -hmm. need me to know right now? Right. That's beautiful. Yeah. And that's, uh, it's, it's very important. And it's, <laughs> I, you know, I think God leads us in many different, in many different ways. And, uh, as our, as our, as our friend Jamie likes, likes to talk about, you know, praying in real time, Jesus, what do you want? What do you need me to know? And what do you need me to hear? And, and then being willing to step into that fearlessly. That's frankly, it's, it's freedom. It's, yeah. it's yeah. not, it's, 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 less of less of me and more of and more of Jesus and stepping in and and living fearlessly into that and oftentimes you don't understand why or the how or the what but living with the attitude of the heart saying in gratitude and worship in in trust that everything will be provided taking that step out is meaningful is rich and you know time and time and time after again that's exactly where Jesus meets me anyways Wow, that is so beautiful. I can't think of a better lesson for us all to hear today, and especially in this time that we all need to listen for his voice and ask him for each next step and who he wants yeah. us to reach out to. And yeah. I can't thank you enough for sharing today with us and, and for the work that you do, Steve. I am so blessed when I think of you. Like I said, I have this picture of you, like this angel walking through the halls at Harborview Hospital. And thank you for the way you care for people and for what you've taught us today in this time. Bless you, my friend. Thank you, Karen. Great. I great, hope great. to see you soon. <laughs> I hope to see you as well and give you a big hug. Okay, big hug to you too. Thank you for listening to the Take Root Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and share. To learn more about Centered and hear more stories of discovery and growth in Jesus, visit us at centered.org.